Coaches, welcome back for another episode of the Minnesota Basketball Coaching Podcast. In a minute, we will be joined by Tri-City United head coach and former Big Lake head coach, Kyle Johnson, uh, and he'll go over his coaching Wikipedia page here in a minute. But first, I wanted to just uh, do a little public service announcement of sorts. I've been posting this on Twitter and hashtagging it, and coaches, it's really important for us to wear a mask. Um, this isn't a political issue. This is a public health issue. Uh, cases in Minnesota are, you know, our positive test rate now in the last seven days is up to 5% from 3%. Last five days across our country, COVID-19 deaths um, have went up as much as they went down in the previous 20 days. We need to, we need to wear a mask and we need to show and be role models to our student athletes about the importance of wearing a mask. And I understand when you're in the court with your teams in the summer, or if you're coaching, if you're involved with AAU or you're coaching a scrimmage, um, you need to still, I feel very strong that you need to wear a mask and show how we should be um, properly uh, protecting ourselves and our neighbors in public. I know it can be, um, there's, there's some issues with coaching, right? Our voice isn't as loud. We got to speak a little louder, so on and so forth. It doesn't matter. Okay. What we're doing in the gyms right now in July are not going to make a major impact on our teams next fall, but what will make a major impact on our teams next fall, if there is, if there isn't a season, um, Justin, Dean, all the guys at breakdown sports do a phenomenal job and have worked their butts off to try to uh, put together a summer programming that would be beneficial for our teams and create a competitive environment. And unfortunately, because of the situation with COVID-19 in the state of Minnesota, those guys have had to cancel the breakdown events for this summer. And if we aren't as, as a community doing a better job of ourselves protecting ourselves and wearing a mask and showing what we should look like in public, protecting ourselves and our neighbors, we're in jeopardy of not having a fall season and also not in jeopardy and in jeopardy of not having a winter season. If we want to be practicing on November 9th or November 16th, we need to make sure we are doing our part, our part to control the pandemic. And so again, this isn't a political issue. This is a public health issue. We need to ourselves as coaches be showing that it is normal and it is okay to be wearing a mask, right? If we can put a mask on during summer workouts or open gyms or whatever you guys do in the summer in your camps, okay, that's going to go a long ways, but there also needs to be an educating piece of our student athletes. Have these conversations with your kids on why it is important. Okay. And I know maybe some of us are in communities where that might not, a lot of kids might not be on board with that, but if, Cases are going up. And if we want to have a season and we all want to be back on the silence, we all want to be back in the classroom. We want to be coaching our teams. But if, if we aren't doing our part to properly educating our young men that we work with or young women that we work with, I fear that there might not be a season, right? And there are already talks, you know, the Ivy league canceled their fall seasons, big 10 and PAC 12 have already canceled non-conference games. And then that's a first step. Um, and so I just feel like I'm getting the deja vu from where we were last spring when it just Ivy League was the first one to cancel their conference basketball tournament. And then it just kind of kept going. I know Wisconsin sports are postponing the start of their fall sports into September. These are just first steps and we need to do our part to control the virus. Again, I know it's, it, it is my coach, myself and my assistant coach, Dylan Nauman, we wear our masks in our summer workouts. It does make coaching challenging, right? It's hard to, you know, have conversations with our kids. It is more challenging, but it isn't impossible. And so as coaches, we need to do our part to help educate and demonstrate the importance of wearing a mask and how that can help um, our student athletes, but also the people that, you know, the loved ones that they interact with and we interact with and, ho and doing our part to control the virus. So that's my public service announcement. Um, you know, hopefully if some of you have been on the fence, maybe this will push you towards, all right, I need to talk to my kids. I needed myself 
um, showcase uh, mask wearing uh, and personal protect wearing personal protective equipment. And so again, I really challenge you as coaches and educators, do your part, educate your teams, but also showcase what that should look like. All right. Uh, I don't have any cool transitions, so I'll just do like a five second pause and then we'll bring Kyle in. All right, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I um, really appreciate it. Um, it's been a great thing for me to listen to, and it's a great avenue, a great uh, resource for, for all the coaches. So I've thoroughly enjoyed it, but be honored, you, honored to be a part of it. I know you got three young kids, so hopefully you're not listening like in a speaker and puts them to sleep uh, a couple times a week. Yeah, no, no, no. We're <laughs> good there. All right, Kyle. So first thing we always talk about is your coaching Wikipedia page. Tell us where you're from, where you played, and now what led you to Tri-City? Uh, well, uh, grew up in Prior Lake, played at Prior Lake. Um, uh, after that, I played a couple years at RCTC, Rochester Community College. Just attended Winona State afterwards. Um, after that, uh, yeah, I started coaching fall leagues and, you know, eventually ninth grade at Prior Lake. Um, when I had some teaching jobs there and then I did that for a couple of years and then moved on to Big Lake and I was at Big Lake for the previous 10 years, um, coached ninth grade, coached 10th grade uh, and then for my last five years I served as the head boys basketball coach there and then uh, this past year you know my wife and I we made a move and we moved down to where we're from, um, her being from Jordan, me from Prior Lake and so we settled in Jordan and she got a job in Jordan I happened to get a job in Lonsdale and I was able to be an assistant for the boys basketball program and just worked out that um, the position came open and I was very interested um, at TCU, um, Tri-City United, which is Montgomery, Lonsdale, and the center. And yeah, I applied and worked out and excited for the opportunity. So I want to talk about your time at Big Lake. Obviously we were familiar uh, playing each other a couple times a year. Um, 2017, you guys win your section, you guys go to the state tournament. Talk about that experience in a community that maybe hadn't seen a ton of basketball success and knowing what you took over, maybe a team that, you know, they, they, was, they had some good years and they were down for a year or two before you took over. So talk about what that was like winning that section in 2017. No, it's definitely, you know, a bittersweet, um, you know, to think about that. I mean, a lot of great people I met and worked with in Big Lake. And so I'm grateful for that experience. Um, specific to that 2017, you know, you know, that class was a very, you know, special class and, and, and there were some, you know, other guys, obviously some younger um, players as well that contributed in that season, but it was a very special season. It was a big deal to our school and our community because, you know, we'd never been to the state tournament. Um, it was the hundred year, you know, hundredth year of the school. And it was really just a, just an opportunity for our kids to, you know, experience something they never have. Um, you know, we obviously, you know, had a very successful season um, and, you know, just being a part of the state tournament for the first time ever, you know, they set, had a big send off for us with trucks and, you know, uh, fire trucks and police cars. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it's about. You know, you want to provide the best experience for the kids and, and put them in the best position to be successful. And then they go out and do it. And, and they did. And they, you know, they really deserved everything, you know, you know, they got, which, which was, you know, as a coach is really rewarding, you know. So you played DLSL in the first game and you know, for a lot of teams, right? You DLSL has kind of been the that locked in at the Williams arena, 10 AM game uh, as the number one seed in class three for a long time. And I've watched half dozen of those games over my time. And it's usually pretty lopsided. 
I know we, when we were in the state tournament, we watched them beat up on Bemidji the year before they beat up on Hermantown. But when you guys played in 2017, you guys played them as tight as I think they've ever had a, a, at that point, even a state tournament game, I feel like. But what went into that game plan? Because I was so impressed. You know, team from Big Lake never made the state tournament. You know, semi-suburban, semi-rural school district. Probably didn't get a lot of respect you know, going into the tournament. So just talk about how you guys were prepared. Because you guys, I mean, you guys had definitely had a different game plan than you ran all, ran all year. And, man, you guys just, uh, you know, really executed. You obviously lost, but it was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was an incredible experience. And our players, you know, we played – a great game. And, and I think, you know, in, in what we were doing that season, yeah, we tried to play a little faster than we normally do. Um, we read a few more athletes and just some different skill sets that we're able to, um, to do throughout the season. But, you know, and, and preparing for that De La Salle game, really, you know, we needed to change our game plan. We knew that um, they were better at that. So we needed to make sure that we adjusted and, and really our game plan was to slow the pace, limit possessions, you know, make them shoot from the outside. Unfortunately, Gabe got, got fired in the second half, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, our game plan came together. Um, we, we were deliberate on offense. Um, we, we walked the ball to the floor, maybe not the most um, exciting basketball for some people, but for us, that was going to be the best way and the most competitive we could be. And, you know, our guys responded, you know, and that's, that, that was what was special about that group too, is that they were able to, um, you know, kind of adjust our game and kind of um, how we played, which is, you know, um, important. And, and I will say, you know, in leading up to those, those game, that game, it was a lot of, a lot of watching film, a lot of being specific. And that's something that we do. And I do it yes, as a coach. And I'm, I know a ton of coaches do obviously, but uh we're really deliberate and specific in our practice plan about what and how we're going to do it. So that when we're presented with the game, you know, we, we know what to do and how to respond. So I coached against you, like we mentioned for, you know, all five years you were a head coach. I think I took over a year before uh, I was a head coach at Princeton while you were one, one of your years as a sophomore coach. So we played each other, I think five times. And every time we played you guys, you maybe weren't the most talented team in the conference, but I knew more than any team in the league. And this isn't, you know, throwing shade at any other coaches we've had we have really good coaches but mm. we knew every time we played big lake you guys are going to execute exactly what you wanted to do uh, and you might not have been the most talented team you might you know you had the one good 2017 you guys were really really good uh, but we knew every time we played the Hornets that you guys were going to execute and you, you guys were going to be a tough out even if we were the, the favorite team and so my biggest thing is I want to know because this is you know personal to me what's the thing aside from playing Princeton what's the thing you miss most about the Mississippi eight um, yeah, yeah, aside from playing against Princeton, of course, um, you know, I, I, I do miss, you know, you know, at, at times our big lake program and, and, but I also miss, you know, seeing you guys on the sideline, the coaches and, and it's a competitive league and it, it was really, it was fun. You know, it, it was just fun to coach against the coaches that were in it. They were great coaches, very, you know, very respectful, very, you know, um, I would say, especially in my early years, very helpful, you know? Um, and, and, and when I took over and, and was a new head coach, um, but yeah, just, it was just a competitive league and, 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 you know, I liked going up against the bigger schools. I liked that opportunity. You know, that was always nice, whether we came out on the, the top or not, I always felt like we were prepared, you know, so, you know, coach against you and, and coach against Schmitty and, and Bauman and Belkin, all those guys, it's, it's just a great, just a great conference of, you know, coaches and players. 
Talk about transitioning now from a successful head coach, leads, leads the team to the state tournament, uh, first time in school history, 100-year school history, and then you become an assistant coach. Uh, talk about that transition and then how, how that went for you this past year. I was good. You know, it was, it was definitely a change and it was definitely a transition for me, you know, um, being able to, you know, kind of head a, head a program for five years and then, you know, taking, you know, a different role was, you know, it was, it was good. It was good to see different, a different vantage point, you know, and kind of, you know, my role was really to help in any way I could, you know, uh, whatever you needed, whether it was a drill, whether it was a, a play or whether, you know, that was, that was, that was nice. Um, and then, and then, you know, preparing the players, you know, for hopefully to be at the varsity level sometime. So um, for me, and it, it was, it was a rewarding experience. A lot of great kids, a lot of kids who worked hard and, you know, a lot of kids that I'm excited uh, about for the future for our program. Now you got the, you know, now you're the new head coach at Tri-City after, like you mentioned, one year as an assistant coach. What's one little nugget or one thing that you are maybe you took as an assistant coach that you didn't think of when you were head coach of Big Lake that you'll apply now to your new job? Um, God, that's a good question. You know, you kind of stumped me with that one. I think being in that role, kind of taking a step back and seeing, you know, where I might change things, you know, if I was the head or seeing how maybe, you know, I was, I won't say blinded as a head coach, but also maybe there's things I didn't notice, you know, um, like, oh, was I that way or, or did I do it that way? Or, you know, I don't necessarily have anything specific that I can think of, but I mean, I know, you know, sitting, you know, on the bench and not able to stand that that's, that's weird during the varsity game <laughs> for five years. Cause I didn't sit down, but, um, but yeah, you know, it just is, it's, you just kind of get to see the program as a whole a little more. And, 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 you know, it was, it was, it was a good experience. So you're starting over with a new program. What are some things you're looking to accomplish in like your first, you know, 30 or 60 days in the program? You know, that's good. I, I have my tab pulled up here somewhere on my computer, but um, you know, I know I did it in big Lake as well. I kind of had a five-year goal, you know, five-year plan. You know, I have kind of goals per year, you know, kind of a win, you know, a number of wins, you know, who we want to beat, you know, some things we want to get established. And so, you know, in this first kind of, you said, whatever, 60 days or whatnot. I know summer's important and obviously this summer has been super, super different, but um, you know, we are in the gym now and we are practicing, but for me, you know, we treat our summer practices kind of like our, our in-season practice, to be honest. You know, we, we, yes, we skill, you know, we work on skills, specific skills, especially if, you know, there, there's a specific need. Um, but also we, we work our stuff. You know, we, we, we're going to run our offense. We're going to run our defense. We're going to talk philosophy and we're going to talk our, our transition, you know, secondary break. We're going to talk and, and, and do our, um, any pressing, any zone defense or anything we have just so that, you know, any kid that comes during the summers has a leg up, you know, really, I mean, when we come into the season, we're ready to roll, um, just kind of some review. And so, so I know, you know, I being specific and kind of detailed is something that, you know, it's kind of something that I, I kind of do and that's important to me so that the kids are ultra prepared for whatever they see. What's evident in your teams, like I mentioned, your team was always so crisp and clean in your, in the stuff that you ran and the way you guys played on defense. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of time that goes into that. Um, so we talked a little bit about, okay, so the first 30, 60 days, what about like your program values or your expectations? How do you look to establish those now taking over a new program? You know, and I, and I, I kind of, I thought, you know, about that question. And I think I take a similar approach as I did to big Lake, you know, it really comes down to, you know, establishing that culture um, of, you know, 
being proud of, of the name across your chest and, and working hard and really representing that program and, and really just getting people excited about coming to watch TCU, TCU hoops. And, and that's something that, you know, I know it's, it, it's there. And, and I think, you know, we've got 27 kids in the gym this summer and, and, and working hard, but really just stressing, you know, things for us, you know, just stressing, you know, working as hard as possible while the time we have together and, and putting ourselves in the best position to be successful. So, um, yeah. What, what's the biggest challenge that you expect to see uh, as a new coach this year? Um, the biggest challenge, you know, I know we are uh, a school of three towns, you know, so that's, that's, you know, coming together, you know, some kids go to school in Lonsdale, some kids go to school in Montgomery, some kids go to school in uh, La Center. So, you know, that they all kind of come together then um, once they get to high school. So that's something that's, you know, it's definitely, you know, not typical for all schools, you know, maybe a challenge, um, but also um, just, you know, also creating that, um, that competitive winning culture, then expect, expect to be successful, expect to, you know, work hard and, and expect good things for, for yourself and for your teams. You know, that's, I think the mentality piece is, is huge. And that's something we preach, you know, every day and, and the importance of it. And, and yeah. On the flip side, what excites you the most? It excites me to be where I'm at. I mean, we've got, we've got some good things already kind of going. We were able to establish some more offensive and defensive philosophies last year within, you know, um, as I was an assistant. And so some of those things are, are, um, you know, familiar to the kids and, and I'm excited about, you know, the clientele we have, we've got some great kids that, you know, work hard and, you know, we've already seen some great things this summer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to, to really, you know, see the body work, you know, to, to see our practices this summer and, and watch our kids grow and, and really see where we can go uh, come season time because that's what it matters the most. You mentioned that as an assistant coach, you were able to, uh, you know, install a lot of the stuff that you want, that you wanted to run. Talk about your offense philosophy for those that aren't familiar with your style of player, how you coach, what is your, what is your guys' offensive philosophy? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you're very familiar with that, you know, run it playing against us, you know, several times. Um, um, not always the most glorious uh, offense. We do run a ball screen continuity offense and, and that's something that uh, we ran a big lake and we also ran some other different offenses or whatnot, but um, you know, our ball screen continuity was kind of our mainstay and, and we were very um, deliberate about what we wanted to do, you know, and, and that's something that as I go back to, um, the summer we, we, we teach and, you know, we definitely teach different counters off it as teams defend differently, whether they're going to hard hedge, whether they're going to ice, whether they're going to um, show whether what different things. So, you know, we'll teach our wing players how to respond, but especially we're going to teach our post players on how to read a hedge and, and what they should do, whether it's slip, pop, hold the screen, front roll, um, reverse pivot, whatnot. So, you know, I would say, you know, that 2017 at Big Lake, they definitely – we had some guys that really did a great job and then thereafter too, um, did a great job of reading a hedger and how to respond. And so that's something that, um, you know, is important for us, but um, yeah, we run our ball screen continuity and there's different options out of it. Um, we're always looking to trade good for great. You know, that's something we, t we preach often, you know, as I'm sure a lot of other coaches do, but 
So let's, uh, I know there's a lot of coaches that run pick and roll continuity. And, you know, I've talked to, I, right now, as you were talking, I think of three or four that we've interviewed that runs pick and roll continuity, but everyone I've talked to about it runs a little bit differently. So you take over last year as assistant coach, you're putting in some of your ball screen continuity stuff. What are some of the first teaching points that you're looking to install uh, when you're putting in that offense? Well, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot and, and, and definitely, you know, we are, a wing entry typically, but we also teach a post entry. We teach, you know, um, you know, push through, whether we're going to push the wing through and just dribble entry. I mean, that, those are simple, like right off the bat, how are we going to get into our offense? You know, whether it's a V cut to, to get open on the wing, whether we're going to scissors, you know, scissors our wings. Um, and then we also talk about where we want to catch on the floor, you know, as far as maintain good floor spacing. Um, we're going to talk about the angle of the screen when we come to set that screen, you know, depending on one player's, are and, and that and that's where you know, it kind of evolves from there as far as you know whether they're, they're going to go under under the screen so then we're going to rescreen you know whether they're going to um hard hedge and we're going to slip to the rim so um with our with our screener i know that's something we definitely talk about um if they're going to hard hedge and we can also send our point guard to the corner um to the ball side corner where we can dump it down and then hit our slipper to the rim um we have a wing, we can go wing corner, we can go post corner. Um, we can have, you know, upon our reversal, our uh, post player as it catches it in the high, um, it's up the key as he's going to, you know, pass to the, up to the wing and then set that screen. We can do a dribble entry. Um, so really, you know, I kind of covered a lot of that stuff. I kind of probably went too quick, but uh, you know, really that there's, there's a lot that goes involved into it. I know, like I said, there's some teams that have done a great job against us. Um, typically the ones that will have great help side. Um, you know, that's something that we need to do a good job of knowing where they're at and, and counter appropriately. And, and that's really comes down to, you know, repping that in practice and in the summers and knowing and seeing, you know, what they see and okay, here's how you react. Okay. Cause every team's going to do it a little bit differently. Um, so you've got to be kind of have a, you know, multiple tools in your bag to know, how to do that. So you talked about, uh, when teams go under or when teams ice, what pick and roll coverage have you found to be the hardest to attack in your years running uh, ball screen continuity? Well, uh, and I can think of two teams that do a great job at, uh, <laughs> Rogers always did a great job against us. They always tried to, um, they denied any, anything. So they'd come up and they'd double the ball. And then, you know, we try to send guys to the corner and they, they just covered with help side really well. And depending upon our team, whether we were able to dribble out of it or as if we were able to, you know, move the ball a little quicker, we could get our looks we wanted to, but Rodgers always had it. They did it the best. I mean, they denied, they shut it down. And, and so, and then uh, Delano always had something special for us. <laughs> they, they actually, uh, they had a post, um, they had a post player, post defensive player, um, kind of sit at the top and kind of help, you know, deny any reversal there. And they had a post player that stayed at the bottom that kind of took away any roller. So that was something that, um, you know, we saw and we needed to adjust. And, and you know, my assistant was, was, a, was a great assistant and Mike Gorsi and he, you know, he helped through that. And, you know, we, we sent corner options and we set, you know, screens on different sides, you know, to, to use the baseline a little more. Um, that was something that worked for us. So it's a continuity based offense. How much freedom are you looking to give your guys? Where are they able to make plays versus when do you want them to uh, stay within the pattern? 
You know, that's a great question, you know, and, and looking back and, and that's something too, that I would say is something I've, I've kind of, you know, looked at lately and, and, and cause I am looking for, you know, something, some secondary offense that works for us um, and fits our players. It gives a little more creative creativity for them. But um, yeah, I mean, I think once, you know, if we can get off that ball screen, I, I'm letting, you know, at that point they can kind of do what they need to do, whether they think they can get to the rim, whether they think they can pull up, whether they, you know, they're going to hit the roller and create a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough kind of gray area for me. You know, I'm just, if we get a quality look out of it, I'm, I'm going to be okay with it. Um, typically, you know, we are going to try to reverse the ball a few times because if we can do that, you know, get the ball going, you know, if we can get it reversed two or three times, we're usually getting a slipper off that. We're usually hitting a slipper for a bucket or we're getting an open look. Um, so that's something that, you know, we like to do, but um, yeah, I think, as I watch, I kind of just, I, I gauge whether I think, you know, we're getting the quality shots we want. And, and, you know, that's, that's something we had our secondary offense, you know, I know we opened up my last, last couple of years, we ran a 41 with just some rules really, you know, is, is a little more of a, um, that was in big lake, but uh, just a little more opportunities for players to go one-on-one -on -one and, and, and as far as, you know, take advantage of matchups or be a little more creative. So I like to try to have a balance there for them. You know, I know something we like to, we like to, especially, you know, tighten games. If we want to run through it and it doesn't matter to me how long it takes, you know, if we're going to get a layup off it or, or two feet set and, and a look, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. So it's harder for teams to defend longer and they get impatient. And then that's when we usually get an easy bucket. What, what angles are you looking to teach your bigs to take? What would be like, so if I'm a coach listening to this, like, all right, I'll, I, you know, I've always wanted to do this but I don't know how to teach big guys. I don't know how to teach setting the ball screen. What would you say would be um, the ideal angle that they take when they're setting that wing ball screen? Um, well, it's important for, first of all, for the um, wing player to know where to get it. You know, we don't, I always teach our, we do want to be free throw extended, maybe a couple of steps off three point line um, or right at um, any lower than it makes it tougher for us because, you know, we don't want to dribble up the floor to go down the floor. So, you know, really we're looking at, you know, I do a better job of showing it, but you know, at about a, you know, about a 45 degree angle where they want to come up an angle and just really get on that. Say we're on the right wing, you know, if I'm post players coming up to set that screen, we want to kind of get screen on that right side um, of that de ball, ball defender um, so that we can come tight off that. And we, that's another thing we work on really well is, is, you know, a lot of times those those wings like to round it and and, and it's really easier to defend um, but so we teach you know using you know I know this week we did a lot of a lot of wing work we call it our wing series where we just catch on the wing and we work to you know jab and really move a defender's feet and set that screen up um, whether it's a jab step shot fake using different pivot feet um, and we want to get off our um, come right off the hip so your team always did a really good job of rejecting screens. How are you, how do you teach that? What do you, or how do you teach the read and what is the ball handler looking for when they are going to uh, reject a screen and pick it on that wing pick and roll? Um, well, what we'll do is, is we definitely, like I said, we'll do this wing series and really we want to establish using the middle of the floor and we really want to establish and get, get teams to get, I mean, I don't know, comfortable in, in, or, or um, used to, to having to fight through that screen. 
So as defenders on that wing, they, they generally are going to then try to work earlier and, and try to fight through that screen. Um, so, you know, after we've kind of established that, that's in, that opens up that baseline and really, you know, that baseline is open. That's a, that's a nice space for us to either get a jump shot or get to the rim. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely want to establish it. We definitely want to, you know, run them through some ball screens and, you know, and, and, and get them sick of that. And then, and then, you know, that usually opens up our baseline. And we will, every once in a while, we, we will set a baseline screen as well. You know, that's kind of, that's some of the freedom within, with our posts. You know, I don't dictate that as far as, so you go up and you read the defender and where their, where their stance is. And, and, you know, every once in a while, I do want to set a low screen, you know, because, you know, maybe it might, might get monotonous or, or um, defenders might get used to just sitting on the high side. So transition offense wise, uh, are you guys, you know, philosophically speaking, are you looking to run on misses, walk it up on makes what's kind of your generally speaking, I know you're in a different spot where, you know, you're coming off taking over a team and only won a couple games and on big Lake, you had a pretty established program uh, 2017, obviously like we talked about going to the state tournament a couple of your good years after that. And so, what um what is your general philosophy in transition offense well you know um with i think it depends on the clientele you know i know i've had you know and looking back at big lake we in order for us to be competitive you know in our earlier years we did play a lot slower so we were going to you know walk the ball up we we're going to play within our continuity offense so we were going to try to shorten the game a little bit you know that was kind of our philosophy and i think as we moved on we got to be more competitive with that and 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 whatnot. And as I, in my later years there, we were able to play a little faster, but um, yeah. And looking, I think to see some very similar things from big Lake to uh, tri city, as far as some of our clientele, um, I think we're able to play a little bit faster. I don't know if medium is easier to thing or, but I know they say if you either all in or you're not all in for me, it kind of depends, you know, our, our game plan or can, can change depending upon who we're playing, you know, and I want us to be, you know, that's something that that's tough, but also establishing, you know what, this is a team we need to, we need to push the, push the pace a little bit with, you know? Um, and, and these are teams that, you know what, we need to slow a little bit. So um, we did work on that a little bit this week as far as our uh, transition or secondary break. But um, what we'll do is run your typical on misses. We'll run our typical our wings. We'll run the wings um, and our, our rim runner will run to the rim. Um, and we'll push the ball up to the wing. And then after that, we set, we, we try to get an early post up. But then after that, uh, what we'll do is we'll set a back screen on that point guard. So our point guard's always taking it up. We'll set a back screen and we're going to set a ball screen on, on the ball side. And then on the back side, we'll set a down screen. And we can either curl or fill. Um, so, so really, I mean, in essence, um, on, that, on that missed shot, you know, there's some different options. I mean, we definitely, you know, we get an early post up. I mean, in transition, if we got bigs that can outrun the other bigs, um, we'll, we'll set a back screen on that point guard looking for, for a basket cut. He'll go to the ball side corner. Um, and then we will set a ball screen with that, that rim runner. So essentially, we're going to be getting almost into our motion offense, uh, which, that, which is that ball screen continuity. So it's very similar there. Last thing offensively, then I want to get into your defensive side because your teams are always really disciplined on defense as well. You mentioned earlier uh, you're looking to get good to great, and that's a talking point that you use within your program. What does that look like? You know, does it change per player? Does it change per team? How are you teaching that? And I know that's a million-dollar question that you see a lot of coaches 
you know, through social media, ask questions about and get on discussion threads on how do you teach a good shot versus a great shot? That's a great question. Um, I think it does depend on the player, you know, I mean, obviously I was fortunate enough, you know, in big like to have, uh, some players that, you know, they had a little more of a green light, you know, I know they put in the time shooting, you know, and I know they, they, you know, had different skill sets than others. So they did have a few more green lights than others. Um, and that, I knew that was going to be a quality shot for us. Um, and, and just really knowing your guys is important, you know, knowing, you know, watching them and, and, and studying them throughout the summers and through the season and, and knowing, you know, what's a great shot for them. Was that a high percentage shot for them and for our team? Um, you know, obviously the, uh, Timing is, 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 is a big piece of it, you know, knowing, you know, whether we're down, down 10 or up 10 or how much time is on the clock. Yeah. I mean, you definitely preach those things and that's part of teaching the game, you know, teaching them, you know, what, you know, where we're at in the game right now, is that a great shot? Is that what we need? Or are we going to, you know, whether we're up 12 with three minutes, do we need to start jacking, jacking threes or we want to be a little more deliberate and, and, and get something, whether we're going to get free throws or we're going to get to the rim. So you know, I definitely talk to, to the players about, you know, what trading good for great is, you know, and, and what the timing of the game. And that's, I do enjoy that part of it as far as um, teaching that part of the game to them. You guys run a little bit zone uh, at times. That's kind of like a little, a little wrinkle you'll throw in, but you guys have always been a really sound uh, defensive man-to-man team. What are you, a couple of your main teach points I want to talk about first, uh, help side defense. How, what are you teaching off the basketball? Um, well, you know, I'll kind of dive into to kind of all of that. I mean, we, we, in my earlier years at Big Lake, we tried the gap, you know, that was, that was somewhat you know, okay for us, um, with our slower pace, you know, we've kind of moved to, you know, my later years there, it was to, on the line, up the line. And that's something we're going to be doing at TCU, had a few more athletes, um, thought we could get in some passing lanes and make it a little bit tougher, but, um, we definitely, you know, um, we definitely pride ourselves in our defense. I know, you know, our offense is some of our defense sometimes and we, we take time off the clock and, 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 you know, definitely um, make other teams defend longer um, so they don't get as many possessions. But, um, you know, we talk about getting up in passing lanes. We talk about, you know, being on the line um, and, and, you know, whether it's, you know, on the wing and we've got one foot in the lane or one pass away, we're up in a passing lane or, you know, whether it goes below or two feet in the lane on the backside, um, you know, we will, we'll run through drills where we help the helper. Um, and that's no different than I'm sure a lot of coaches, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I know we'll, we'll run, we'll run a few different zone defenses as well. We'll run your standard two, three, and then we ran a 32 and, and three different, four different, uh, versions of that, whether we're going to trap with certain people, we'll trap, um, we'll trap in the corners and then, um, we'll deny, the elbow will deny the pass back to the wing. Um, and then I know one that we pulled out at, at state tournament where we, we call it Bermuda, which is really just our top guy was rotating down from the top of the key down to the block to deny any, anything inside. How do you teach close? How are you teaching closeouts? Oh, um, you know, we, we close out. That's something, you know, I was, I was thinking about too. And when, when we put together our summer stuff, you know, a non-negotiable for us is, is we're going to shell every day. We, we, we shell defense every day. You know, we're, we're going to um, make that part of our practice every day. Um, and we're going to work on closeouts every day. Um, that's just what we do. Um, and we're going to work on some sort of rebounding drill because 
you know, one, one of my beliefs is, is defensive rebounds is obviously one of the most important stat. And we try to win that every, every night. Um, but as far as closeouts, you know, we'll do it in several different um, variations, you know, close out different spots on, on the wing. But we, we'll talk about, I talk squeaky feet where you sprint out at a defender or a person with a ball or whoever, offensive player. And um, you want to patter, 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 break yourself down um, and get yourself in a position to um, defend either way. And I know um, we talked about this just this last week, you know, certain players can do just some, certain things, you know. Um, some people are a little more athletic than others. You know, if I'm closing out to a player and I know that I'm not as athletic or whatnot, I can't close right to them. I need to close a little bit shorter, you know, in order to keep them in front. You know, we always close hand high um, with that yell ball, whatnot on, on the ball. Um, but um, yeah, so that's what we will preach and we'll rep it and we'll rep it and we'll rep it in different, different variations and also you know, it helps the players to understand what, you know, where they need to close on players. You know, I, I, I talk about my specific, I wasn't super athletic, so I had to close a little bit short, you know, stop a little bit short and, and use my length to my advantage and cover up with my length rather than, you know, getting underneath somebody as that wasn't my strength, you know, so. Do you teach closeouts differently based on scouting report of what your opponent's going to be? If you, if you got a team who's a 50% guy who's got a 50% three point shooter versus a guy who's not going to take, and he's only going to drive. Do you, are you closing all the same way on both those guys or you have different maybe calls or different um, concepts for how you're closing out on those two different players? I think for us, I mean, and what I've done in the past and what I'm, we'll continue to, we don't have necessarily different calls, but we will, um, you know, we watch a ton of film, you know, as we talk about being prepared for games and knowing personnel. So that's something we do, whether it's me going to watch a game, whether it's us watching film together and talking about specific personnel and knowing that this guy is going to do this, this is guy we need to close and make sure we get to um, this guy. We can close a little bit, you know, we can, we can give him a little bit of space. He's not going to shoot it and, and, and we can defend that way. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely is um, player specific and, and we will go through that in a scouting report. Um, and we'll work that and rep that. We'll know that such and such a player is someone we need to close on, some, someone we don't. And, and I know, and kind of speaking the same sense there, we will also, we work on our, our different hedging. You know, we have flat, which is essentially going underneath. We have soft, which is just holding the, the um, hedge until, and this is out of ball screen, obviously. Um, we go soft, we'll hold until we fight over the top and recover and then we recover um, obviously with the backside helping us out on any roller and then we have hard which is we deny anything we, we shut that ball screen off and we want to keep the ball on that side of the floor either make, make them take a back dribble or pick their ball pick their dribble up and then we can recover so I know there are some players within the the Mississippi 8 that you know that I can remember that we had specific you know we were going to hard hedge to a double we were going to stay in that until he gives it up and then we were going to recover so you mentioned rebounding is something you guys work on every day. Um, what's one really good rebounding drill or, um, yeah, what's, we'll, we'll start with that. Then we'll talk about rebounding concept. Then we'll get into a couple different scenarios here to wrap things up. But uh, what's one really good rebounding drill that you guys do that someone could learn from you? Um, I mean, I don't know if my drills are the greatest. I mean, we, we definitely just, we, we work on, you know, we have several different ones um, and we try to break them out, you know, throughout the week. Um, try not to do too, too many times in a row, but for me, you know, I think 
what we'll do is, is, is we'll get five, you know, five on five out there and, and I'll get an assistant coach and really I'll have just them just move, you know, to be honest, they'll just move throughout the half court there. And my assistant coach and I will kind of be positioned differently and we'll have the ball and we'll shoot and they just have to react to wherever it is and, and really just fight. And it doesn't matter if it goes out of bounds, whatever, we're, we're just really battling to, to, to do that. Um, so that's one drill. I mean, super probably specific or super simple, but you know, being different spots on the floor and finding that that um, offensive player making that hit and and kind of holding your ground and then just fighting for the rebound. Um, another one we do is is I'm sure you know someone else does as well. Um, we'll take three players and put them underneath the basket and and they have to more of an offensive um, offensive rebounding drill, but. We'll put three players there and I'll, I'll, they'll stand in the basket and they're just going to, I'll shoot the ball and then it, it's live. And so it's one-on-one-on-one. On one on one. And for me, sometimes it gets a little rough, but um, I think that's one of the tougher closeouts when after a shot goes up and it's at close quarters. And, and oftentimes, you know, that habit, you know, some of the players I've had is they just turn and expect it to go, but no, you need to make a hit and, and, and box out and, and, kind of teaches that toughness to, you know, to really battle for it and, and who wants it more. So we'll play up till seven and whoever scores seven is out. And then, you know, um, the other two continue to finish it out. And then whoever gets seven, next one's out. So are you a hit and get? Or are you hit and hold your box out? Um, I'm, I'm kind of a hit and hold, to be honest, you know. I kind of hit and hold and then, um, yeah. And all five guys boxing out. We're not leaking out too early with many of our guys. We don't play as fast as others, so we're going to make sure we we have that that defensive rebound secured, and then we're gonna, then we'll go. All right, Kyle. We got a couple scenarios here for you to wrap up. Um, so I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't give you any heads up on what these are. You don't need to necessarily tell me a whole scripted play, but just right. generally speaking, what are you looking to get here? So here we go. One on offense, one on defense. First one on offense here, Kyle. Baseline out of bounds. All right. You you have the basketball. Tied game, five seconds left. Baseline out of bounds. You have the basketball. Tied game, five seconds left. You don't need to drop necessarily or um, orally tell me a play, you know, guy for guy where they're going. But just what kind of shot or what are you looking to get in that five seconds? Um, well, you know, I have a great play that we used to run um, in Big Lake. I think we might have even stole it from Delano. I don't know. Um, but it's a, essentially it's a screen the screener. And, and I would say I had a kid in 2017 that probably scored – I don't know, 50 plus points on it. And he was great at it. Um, but essentially we sit in a box, you know, the opposite, opposite bottom guy goes up and sets, you know, a screen. And then we, um, we set a screen on him. And every time, you know, he'd, he'd kind of float to the short corner and, you know, Austin Miller was his name, actually, you're familiar with him, but yep. uh, he, um, he must've got, like I said, 50 points. He goes up and sets that screen you know, to a post player, another post player comes and screens for him. Usually there's gets uh, caught in the wash or they caught, caught helping and, and he comes out on the ball side short corner and he gets, gets a shot. So you're looking to get something going on the rim through a screen. All mm-hmm. right. So defensively here, defensive scenario, you just made a basket to tie it. All right. Other team doesn't have a timeout or they're not going to call them. So you just made a basket to tie it. 10 seconds left. You're going to defense. First, first part, are you calling the timeout to set your defense or are you going to let them play? I'm going to let them play. 
All right. And then what are you guys looking to do defensively? Are you looking to trap the ball, uh, switch everything? What, what, what's your defense philosophy in that 10 second uh, stand? Well, it kind of depends on uh, the personnel, but um, in that, in that instance, I'm looking to, you know, double any ball screen they may set. Um, um, I'd like to, at that point, pick up after a made basket. So, and that's something we probably would have recently discussed, but, you know, we, I'd like to make them work, get the ball up the basketball court. So we would pick them full, pick them up full one-on-one. And then, um, you know, depending upon if there's a foul, you know, what the fouls are at, we could, you know, we'd foul with three seconds left or whatnot, you know, if we were in the bonus. Um, but that's typically what we've kind of done in the, in the past. So that's something, you know, I would do. Kyle, you got anything else you want to add before we close today? No, no, just, uh, just want to thank you again for this opportunity. You know, it's just, it's honored. It's an honor to be part of this group of coaches. There are a lot of great coaches out there that, um, that are on this and with great insight and definitely learning from all of them. So it's been, it's been a pleasure just chatting with you too, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, you, like I mentioned, you do a great job. Uh, you did a great job at Big Lake. I'm sure you're going to do a great job at Tri-City. And I think you're in a definitely unique situation, a coach who, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously coaching is super important for us, but more important things like family and being near family. I know for you, coaching football and everything, it was a challenge. I need you need to move, move a little closer to some grandparents and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, going from a 3A school that you were successful with, now going to a 2A school with a little bit of a rebuilding process, I think it was really good insight because uh, that's applicable to a lot of coaches. You know, not every coach is coaching a team with, you know, five scholarship kids like some coaches we've had on. So, um, it's real. I've been, I've been really happy to get guys, you know, in maybe some more rural communities uh, and what they do compared to some of the big schools in the 494, 694 loop and what they do. So, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know your team's going to be, you know, successful here down the road. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you very much.